0: Friends, it's true, you know. Personal, local, global wellness. You may now begin the course.
1: The emotional response to love. It's
0: awfully important.
1: Is usually the result of a declummy family. A show of affection. Redefining what health means for you. And the real fundamental you, you, you. Well, if you like a
0: place where well, there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. see wellness.
1: Hosts
0: of the Personal Local Global Wellness Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Community Health Personal Local Global Wellness Show hosted by Sindacy Wellness. Today, we have Emma Kessler speaking on food freedom, Reiki, and emotional balance. If you haven't ever featured or watched the show, I'm your host, June Sindacy, a little bit about me. I'm a healthcare provider at syndicy Wellness, helping men and women move from emotional overwhelm, fatigue, burnout, stress, to a state of calm, comfort, and clarity, teaching stress management skills, nervous system regulation, paired with my nutrition practice, where I do a lot with managing and repairing the gut biome. I used to try and heal the world before I healed myself, but I believe our personal healing ripples out. And that's why I named the show, The Personal Local Global Wellness Show. But I know that's a mouthful. So... When you look us up on Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts, you just type in the word syndesi, which means in connection in Greek, syndesi, S-Y-N-D-E-S-I, wellness. And then you'll see a group of women sitting in a circle. I have short hair there. That is us. It'll say community health at the top. Click on that album cover, subscribe, ask us questions, tell us who you'd like us to feature on the show. And Without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce the incredible Emma Kessler. We were sitting in a favorite um, kind of farm to table, local grown restaurant here, Chocolatree in Sedona. She's now in Texas, though. And we like, kind of felt the angel vibes looking across the table. It's 11 as I say that angel vibes. Um, and I'm like, how are you? What are you up to here? And she's telling me about her life and her transformations. As well as her incredible work that she does. And I'm like, well, I'd love to interview you and share and highlight um, your gifts to the world. She is a holistic health coach and Reiki master teacher from New York, NYC, now based in El Paso, Texas. That's where my partner's dad was born. She spent over a decade visiting doctors and specialists trying to figure out why... She was experiencing mystery symptoms such as IBS, hormone imbalance, and mood issues, only to be told she was fine and handed a prescription for another drug. Has anyone else ever experienced that? Right here. That would mask her symptoms. She had an intense desire to discover the root cause of her health issues and was able to do so by becoming her own health advocate. Woohoo! While working with a functional medicine practitioner, Emma uncovered several underlying conditions. And as she started to work on balancing her gut and hormones naturally, she also knew she had to heal her relationship with food in her body. I think so many of us can relate to that. Emma had spent years restricting binging and following diets that promote fat loss to mold herself into the quote unquote ideal body She had damaged her hormones and metabolism through the cycle of restrictive eating and yo-yo dieting. I think this hits the heart and the core of so many women's story. Emma was trapped in a diet mindset and knew she would have to work through this to achieve the optimal health her body wanted to be in. It was during this time that Emma discovered Reiki and delved into the energetic side of healing and how releasing trapped emotions could catapult her recovery. This is why Emma is so passionate about using holistic methods to help other women break away from the restrictive dieting mentality and learn how to nourish their bodies intuitively while also reaching their body and health goals. She offers virtual one-on-one health coaching and Reiki packages and will soon also be a certified personal trainer and offer in-person sessions and virtual programs. So I'm going to let her tell us a little bit more about her background and history and stories, um, you know, her own personal pain points is always a place I like to start because I share a lot about my own hair pulling growing up my own eating disorder. I recovered from depression and just my high, sen- high sensitivity levels that now I see as a superpower and always love to hear the practitioners come on the show to share what were some of their stories, which was super fun to feel in your background, but to hear your voice and context will be incredibly helpful as well. Thank you for being on the show today, Emma.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, so it's been quite an interesting few months. Um, now I'm in Texas. I was born and raised in New York, and if anyone listening is from New York, you can kind of relate to that fast-paced, hustle and bustle lifestyle that I never really felt like I belonged to, and. Much like LA, there's a lot of focus on image and how you look and being thin and pretty and popular and as a teenager or even a young adult, that's kind of the focus. I was a very overweight child, Um, started off being a picky eater, then I became like a chubby child and... I was ostracized by my peers. So I figured out the way that I can make friends really was to change how I looked. So I started um, basically restricting my food, counting my calories. Um, I started exercising, but not from a healthy standpoint, from a place of wanting to change my body. starting my first diet at 12 years old, which I think I'm not the only one who was doing that at the time or still does that. And I started to receive a lot of that positive feedback and validation from my peers, which told me that I was doing something right. So I continued this unhealthy cycle of restricting. And then I would binge because I was so hungry. So that's kind of where my eating disorder started. Um, never really realized I had an issue. And at the time I was having problems with my period problems with mood, which are kind of just brushed off as hormonal preteen issues. Right. And I was put on the birth control pill to regulate all of these things, which I believe there was a root cause of all of these issues to begin with. And this only exacerbated the issue because I was on that for so, so long. Um, So that's kind of where that all started. And I really do believe that everything is connected. And there was a domino effect when you're on something like that for so long. It has negative impacts on your health. So I think my microbiome (laughs) was destroyed um, also on a lot of antibiotics for like ear infections and sinus infections and small things that, in my personal opinion, you shouldn't really be taking antibiotics for. But all of these things snowballed into eventually in my early 20s feeling so, so sick, having so many problems and feeling like there must be some other solution than just being given a drug and going from different specialists to different specialists. Something deep down told me that it was all connected and related to one or two root issues. So I started, you know, going deep down into the rabbit hole of holistic health online And I found out about the gut-brain connection and how birth control and antibiotics and any prescription drugs really have a negative impact on your gut and your hormones. So I started working on healing my gut. I worked with a functional medicine practitioner, all the while still having an eating disorder, but being... I wouldn't say unaware of it. I knew that I had some kind of disordered disordered thinking pattern around food because I was constantly thinking about it, obsessing over it, you know all the emotions that go into it, um guilt, shame, et cetera. So basically, the functional doctor told me I wasn't eating enough, and that I had to start gaining weight if I wanted to get my period back to normal, healing my gut, healing my hormones, kind of feeling better from all the things that I had been suffering from. And at that moment, I knew that I had partially done this to myself too. Yes, there was an original root cause of why I was put on all these things to begin with, but I did not help my case by essentially starving myself. um, Anorexia, I say I would have, and then that branched into orthorexia as I started to work on healing all of these things. I said, Okay, now I need to eat more, but I need to eat only the healthy things. So then I was hyper fixated on eating only healthy foods, like any little bit of sugar orthorexia.
0: I, I like this word, I haven't heard this one.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say, um. It is classified now as an eating disorder. So it's um, an obsession with eating healthy.
0: I've been hearing about these different classifications of people eating only things green, but mm-hmm. I hadn't heard, like, you know, this is a huge topic that they'd come up with a term, which I'm very excited for because it, it almost becomes an obsessive pattern. Mm-hmm. Please keep going. It's so powerful.
1: Yeah. And that's what it became for me. So, I, you know, got into health and wellness and fitness in college, <clears throat> and you know, started working on the root cause of all my stuff. But I still maybe I didn't have anorexia anymore, but I had it sort of branched off into this different form of an eating disorder because I was so fixated on eating perfectly or I would get sick again, or I would backtrack. And maybe my intention was positive, right? I wanted to get healthy, I wanted to get well. But I was now still obsessed and hyper-focused on eating a certain way. I I was eating enough, but it was very restrictive still in a different way. So I did start to get better. And my body started to heal. I got my period back. I had, had a missing period for four years. Um, you know, a lot of my symptoms started to calm down. And to be honest, I'm still working on a lot of these things. Um, because, you know, decades of damage from prescription drugs doesn't take a few months to undo. So I realized when kind of the physical stuff started resolving, the eating disorder was more loud. Like it couldn't be ignored anymore. And th- and that's when I realized, okay, I really, really have to do something about this. I can't go on like this. I was still counting calories. And I mean, I'm sure people listening out there a lot have done this, do do this. It takes up a lot of mental bandwidth. And it's it wasn't, I, I just had this light bulb moment where I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't waste my time doing this. I realized it was a defense mechanism that I was using. You know, if I spent so much time planning my food and tracking my food, then I wouldn't have to kind of be out in the real world and face people and face my fears and kind of the fear of being seen Right. Um, I think there's a lot of things that I've always wanted to share with the world. But when you're when you have unconventional opinions about things, sometimes it's scary. And I realize now that it really was a defense mechanism and an easy way for me to hide. It's like, okay, well, if I have this illness, it's okay because it's my excuse to hide. So tell me it, about it was,
0: hiding when you say hiding.
1: Yeah, just not wanting to be seen. You know, I was a very shy child to begin with, and I did get over a lot of that um, as I grew up, but just fear of being judged, um, I think comes from when I was that overweight child who was picked on because of how I looked. Now it became, I don't want to be ostracized for my different opinions about X, Y, Z. So, you know, calling out a lot of diet culture, I started wanting to do that. But I was afraid because, I mean, the diet industry is a billion-dollar industry, probably a lot more. Um, So, yeah, just when you have unpopular opinions it's scary to speak up so yeah I'm not sure where else that all came from but I did realize that a lot of it was me just wanting to hide and be safe really I guess part of disordered eating patterns is a lot about being safe it's the one thing that you can control a lot of the time so I think one of the reasons that that might have developed In me was because, you know, as you're a young adult, you really feel like you can't control your environment. (laughs) So, I'll just focus on the one thing I can control, which is what I'm putting in my body. So, it kind of gives you this false sense of power.
0: Totally. And I love how you describe your experience because what I think is crucial, I'm so grateful how, like, Strong of an individual you are, and to be interviewing someone who owns their story and their internal process so clearly, because I think a lot of different people I'll have on the show, everyone's at a different point, and some people don't feel like showing the full skeleton closet and what it's been like through that journey. And I think it's so crucial that people really hear and listen to the fact that. Just because someone says they have an eating disorder or do it, does a certain behavior, or for me even has a certain emotion, doesn't mean they should assume and project what that means. Because my experience of an eating disorder was just very sensory oriented. The taste, the touch, eating so much until I hurt my stomach so that I wouldn't have to feel anymore, but I didn't have the mental component of um, calories or other um, ideologies and stories. And so my experience was different than other people's in terms of, like you said, the mental bandwidth that can occur. And then this new term um, for the hyper obsessing as well. And I think that people so often, I definitely have had in my own life history, if someone says they're angry, my first response is like, they might break something in the next five minutes or they might scream or go ballistic. Like everyone has different childhood experiences and stories around what anger is. And then there's my partner who says there's anger. It's fine. Everything's okay. But I think what's crucial is when someone says they have a certain emotion to express to someone else. Like I'm feeling a lot of pressure in my head and um, fast heart rate and heaviness in my um, eyelids in like, trying to make it personalized so that other people can also connect and relate to what someone is saying and what someone might actually be needing. Because sometimes people hear hear someone, but they don't ask for their experience of what someone is talking about. And then there's a loss of deeper connection, in my opinion. And I think that happens a lot when people start to get really honest and vulnerable about their emotional um, struggles of the past or diagnoses they've had, someone just sometimes puts them in a box rather than gets to know their specific experience of what that was. And I think it's very crucial when creating relationships and connection to our own experience and to understanding others.
1: I love that. It really is all about connection and I think, that could even be part of why I felt the need to control my food to begin with. Maybe it was some sort of desire to connect with my peers. Um, you know, how can I be accepted? Okay, I have to look a certain way. So it was really the desire to be accepted, included, and to have those connections and then receiving that positive feedback because once... I, I mean, I was very, very, very thin. And back, it's not so trendy now, thankfully. But when I was growing up in like the late 90s, when I was like 12, 13, it was very trendy to be skinny. Like that's what was desirable. Now it's all about, you know, I feel like athletic, more athletic female body. Um, but once I looked like that, I became popular, I became what I wanted to be. And the cycle just continued. So it's just kind of showing me, okay, I have to continue these unhealthy patterns in order to have the connections that I want. And then throughout my healing journey, I realized the connections that I want are the authentic connections of people who see me for who I truly am, see my soul, not What I look like and what I'm um, putting out into the world, because everyone has a mask, whether or not they realize it or accept it. You know, we have a certain role that we play, a certain face that we put on when we go into society. But once I said, screw it, I don't really care what people think of me anymore because all these connections were fake anyway that's when like the false relationships started to fall away and then now I have such an amazing core of, of friends and I'm so grateful for that and every single one of them are authentic and beautiful in their own way and I really believe that I found each one of those souls because I decided to just shine my authentic light and start sharing those opinions um, with society you know start talking about these topics and even having to advocate for my own health and you know I'm not knocking western medicine but it has its positives and its downfalls and when you know when you're going from doctor to doctor and told that Everything's just in your head. You start to think, "Oh, maybe I am crazy," but I knew that I was onto something. And lo and behold, I was. And I continue to have to advocate for myself. And you know, I help friends and family do that. And you know, it's not the main aspect of my coaching, but ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, a client will have something underlying, and they're like, "Oh, the doctor said this." I'm like, mm. I don't really think so. You know, I can't, I'm not a doctor. I can't legally advise and say what this is, but kind of able to give suggestions as to where to look instead. So.
0: in a different perspective and totally different pathway that someone could go down. Yeah. I think that you know, the AA 12-step um, model has been made into over like 124 different renditions over eating gambling, and honestly, it works very well for many people. And I've definitely studied that model and I've benefited from it myself. And something they say is like, connection is the cure to addiction. But what's really curious, because I'm very impacted by Gabor Mate's work as well, is that he speaks about Authenticity being a fundamental need in child development in our species, as well as attachment for survival and connection. And when we're young, we sacrifice authenticity for attachment. So I loved the kind of bridge that you were drawing there between this superficial connection um, that is kind of a core need of attachment and survival because for so long, he would say like, as long as we live, like the very tip of this pen is how long we've lived outside of you know tribalism and we needed to be part of the tribe to survive. And so we would sacrifice our authenticity for attachment and how we step back and walk back into knowing that our authenticity now does not mean we have to sacrifice attachment because we parent ourselves, we reparent ourselves and know that we can survive without the approval or need of others recognition, which was so hard for me for a long time to see that I continued to parent and love and treat myself the way that I thought I needed to in my household, but wasn't sustainable once I'm a grown woman. Um, And so I think these different pieces that you're hitting on are just core fundamental aspects of what has happened for a lot of us in our development, identity development, psychology stuff. And I also feel that, you know, this Western medicine is not traditional medicine, we only, I don't know how many, maybe 200 years ago, industrial revolution time went from plants to petroleum based medicine. So it's not as familiar to our system. And so our organs, you know, shift, they they like jumble it. They push it around to each organ, like cane sugar, for example, it doesn't know what to do with the amount uh, our body. We only, I love this. Um, one of my mentors told me like, sweetness and sugars and such the earth would only produce something like a tablespoon a year. And each, you know, human would only have access to like, you know, the average human, like 20 teaspoons. And there's something like eight tablespoons in one Coke. So we haven't evolved. Like our our physiology hasn't evolved to know what to do with all that sugar um, because we've gone the industrial Road, And then they studied, you know, willow bark to discover aspirin, to invent aspirin. And these plants, we all have medicinal properties and all the ancient texts that we're told that we'll have, you know, medicinal uh, medicines from the plants are very easy for our body to recognize. And I think that it's hard moment to reckon with, you know, we're like a baby with a sword, with all the pharmaceutical drugs and medicines that we're working on inventing. Cause it's part of how we're living longer, you know, for acute care, we can save a leg or a limb, but there's also a trade-off with the microbiome um, imbalance and the gut lining deterioration and the organ health. You know, when I went to naturopathic medicine uh, the blue, clo- the blue coats it was all about organ regeneration for me, you know, and I'm not even 30 yet. I'm almost 30. And that that was scary for me (laughs) to see, but I had been kind of trialed on like a lab rat growing up. You know, they talk about using drugs off label in this pandemic. My childhood was off label drugs (laughs) being tested on me, (laughs) you know, for my sensitivity and the symptoms that I was portraying ripping out my hair and these depression episodes and all this stuff. So, you know, a lot of us have been exposed to a lot of things that uh, as a species, our physiology isn't sure what to do with yet and our inner workings, but we don't start to worry until we have an external issue. (laughs) So I love the authenticity and the realness and the raw kind of transparency you're bringing to this conversation. It's very, nurturing for me as a person on the path as well um a core theme of your work is helping people find balance and and I'm curious how you would describe what your relationship has been to balance and what you what that looks like in the work with others a definition of balance that I was told once was like every moment there's new balance that's needed Because there's new circumstances and it's always a rebalancing, but it's not a balancing like this. It's finding stability again, but each moment that stability will look different. And so I think I used to be so attached to like same routine every day, same ritual, like very like linear. And then I realized each day is going to cause, like actually ask for a little different uh, for me to adjust. And that would be the balance for that day. I used to really struggle with that word personally.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. You talk about the definition, this springs up memories of, well, what I used to think balance was, was controlling everything I ate and everything I did. And, you know, along with the eating disorder, um, as for me, I think a lot of it was about control. Um, I also had a lot of anxiety as a child, um, as as a young adult, um, even up until a few years ago. And the way that I kind of rectified that feeling on a daily basis was creating this idea of what I thought was balance at the time, which really was, you know, making sure I knew exactly what was going to happen every day, like you touched upon having the same routine every single day, because that felt safe. And if that didn't happen that day or was out of whack I felt like it wasn't balanced but yeah now very much like you said I would say I'm not so much into definitions but you really balance is more about kind of taking what comes and assessing your needs in that moment so you know for instance if someone's sick, they might need, you know, if we're talking about food, they might need a different type of food balance that day. <laughs> right. Um, but then that might look different a different day. So I think a lot what a lot of what goes into controlling your food, it's um, you know, for the calorie counters and the macro counters, not knocking you but um, can be triggering for a lot of people. It kind of just puts like, oh, you need to eat this much every single day, like these macros, these calories, and that doesn't really account for the different types of balance your body needs every single day, especially for women who have cycling hormones and you have different nutrient caloric needs at different stages of your cycle. So I think balance, is really looking at each day as a completely clean slate and assessing what your body needs that day and it really does blend into intuition which is another core value of my work so you know when all the external noise falls away what is your body telling you Right. Just like my body was telling me that something was wrong and that all these doctors didn't really know what they were talking about, you know, even though that they meant well, um, knowing what I really needed. So the balance and the intuition really plays together. And I kind of, you know, there's not one without the other, in my opinion, 100%.
0: I mean, I think that's one of the most curious things around calories is that not all calories are created equal, you know, like a bag of chips versus a big thing of salad and veggies and steamed veggies and um, a nice rice or, you know, different um, legumes, beans, or animal protein that has been raised without (laughs) injections uh, and antibiotics and fed their proper diet is such a different quality of what goes on internally when one of those things is digested. Like I never got into the calorie counting world. So I don't know an avocado versus like a large thing of bag of chips, but the chips say they are a lot less calories, but it has all these foreign ingredients. Our body doesn't know how to recognize or read the coding for. So it just creates more toxicity and inflammation or starts to ruin our gut lining. It's just, it's so interesting how far away we've gotten from what's natural. Um, and, and it is interesting when it's hard to feel the amount of sensations in the body and just be in, in the body, that it's a lot easier to control um, <laughs> or think that we have control. I even had a moment today where I was talking to someone and my body right now I'm bleeding. And so right now I have so many sensations going on while I'm talking to someone. I think a lot of people can put me on trial (laughs) if they haven't had this as well. I'm wanting to like check my calendar and do all these other things and then have to take a moment to say like, I can be in my body and connect back to my source And then I saw this image of a present with like a wrapping paper and a bow. And I'm like, oh, the present then will bring me a present. (laughs) So that was part of my own experience, not being able to just be in the body. And I think um, as we talk about food and we talk about control to make us feel better, I think um, many people can relate to what it's like to just be and how hard that can be sometimes when there's a lot of sensations.
1: I love what you said, be in the body. Um, I think with a lot of these restrictive behaviors, it doesn't have to be food. It can be anything, any, any type of obsessive disorder. Um, it really is this lack of being able to be in the body. Um, this fear of just being with yourself um, because there's no distractions, and you have to just be with those those physical sensations and thoughts and emotions. And you know, I think a lot of what these diet culture things teach us is to be away from our body, to condition us to not trust our body. You don't know how much you're supposed to eat. We have to tell you. You don't know what to eat we have to tell you but no the body really knows and you know that's why I I don't I don't like to say teach intuition everybody is intuitive as humans but it gets kind of pushed down by the way we have to live in society um Would you be open to sharing? Because it was going to be one of my questions because I know part of what you do,
0: how you describe or your relationship to intuition, how you help people cultivate it.
1: Yeah, so intuition in the simplest description, I suppose, is that little voice that you hear, you know, when you're maybe about to do something and something tells you, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or, you know, when you meet someone and you feel like, oh, something's a little off. Like that's your intuition. Um even, you know, a craving for ice cream. Like that is your intuition. And this is also um, affected by chemical processes in the body, right? For instance, if you're craving a lot of sugar, yeah, your intuition is craving a lot of sugar, but you might have some kind of gut bacteria going on that's making you crave that so intuition in the sense not in the sense of oh i crave pizza burgers and ice cream so in the name of food freedom and body positivity i'm just going to eat whatever i want no there's nothing inherently wrong with eating that if you want to but the way i teach intuition is crowding out all of the external noise the diet culture really getting back to basics with food, meaning, you know, single or two ingredient foods, you know, no processed foods, not because I think it's unhealthy or, you know, it causes weight gain, but because it really hijacks the brain and it shuts down or quiets that inner knowing we have around food or anything really. So once people, you know, I have people spend good amount of time getting back to basics not tracking anything just eating really simply um and you know if they want to have some sugar they can you know it's not really an approach for aesthetics it's it's getting back to listening to your body um and then once people do that you'd be surprised at how much um how much of those original cravings stop because now you're back to basics you're back to simplicity and people start craving vegetables might sound crazy but it's actually true um when people you know get rid of all these processed foods so we really start doing that first um And then, you know, through that process, people learn how foods interact with their body. So, oh, I ate this and then I felt this way. So kind of keeping a log, um, because how do you know if something agrees with you if you're not paying attention, if you're constantly um, feeding it junk food and You know, the issue I have with the body positivity movement is that it's it kind of, you know, it's done so many amazing things. But I think it tends to make it okay to continue eating those foods. And again, I don't think it's inherently wrong to eat those foods. But if you're not understanding how those things are interacting, you know, if you're eating fast food, but you feel like shit that's not really body positivity to me. And this is one of the unpopular opinions that I'm talking about, right? Because (laughs) um, anyway, I feel like I'm getting off on a tangent, but
0: symptoms, to be able to track your symptoms and see where they lead to is your power, taking your power back. It's not making fast food wrong or the shape, our current shape wrong. It's just, I mean, emotionally, cognitively, hormonally, if we want to get down to the bottom of it, we we have to check every area and food is Mm -hmm. part of that. And I think I can't agree more that my partner Sterling is so wise. Uh, He manages different individuals (laughs) and he sees that like his team and our friends, January can be a time where there's a lot of hidden irritants that are bubbling over in people because we're all detoxing and we're having this gut biome die off from the amount of sugars. And, you know, those microbes the, that die off creates the detox symptoms of the fog, brain fog, the fatigue, the headaches, lethargy. And so I, I sometimes say, like, there's a difference between that die off and that detox symptom versus your intuition. And so I think, you know, there's like little microbiome kingdoms and it's all about diversity and and what you have the majority of because the sugar bugs want to survive (laughs) and they want to live. So they'll scream out loud. What have you seen? But that's not always intuition. You know, what's really needed for um, how we want to feel. What have you seen in terms of when you ask people to cut back or cut out things? what is most sustainable like you said you kind of simplify
1: yeah yeah simplify um you know logging symptoms as well you know i think there are the co- common foods that cause issues so a lot of people i you know even if someone's coming to me because oh i can't lose weight okay but they also have all these other symptoms a lot of them end up being digestive so we do omit for a time certain common allergens um, and then people are really learning how food makes them feel and then once they understand that then they can really eat whatever they want you know i'm not going to sit here and say i don't eat sugar talking about sugar i'm like oh i eat i eat too much sugar but because i've done all that work and i know how things make me feel i'm making the conscious choice to eat oreos because i enjoy them but i know the repercussions i know when i have too many over too many consecutive days i feel a little sluggish but it's about making that conscious choice and you know brain rewiring for people to make that conscious choice from within not because you know, this blog says that they need to do this.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it's that reparenting, like taking back our power of choice and our own perspective of what our health journey can look like. A lot of people that I do these emotional eating um, programs with and we get into, you know, emotions, trauma, and then the microbiome, they start off with one goal. And then six months later, they have a totally different like perspective of what they thought they wanted in the beginning and what they really want. And I feel like as you share, it's like you get to write your own template of what healthy is and that you empower others to find that um, so that they no longer have to feel the burden, which can often cause them to do these excessive behaviors of what others think who or what they should be. Um, Energy is a big part of your work. And it's such an interesting word and topic um, to dive into. You know, how do you describe energy to clients? How do you describe Reiki? Um, What have you seen in terms of your experience with it and the transformation you've had yourself as well as others and how that plays a role? theme as a core theme as a part of your work?
1: Yeah. So when I work with people, we do a lot of things on the physical plane, right? So nutrition, exercise slash movement, um, even mindset while not tangible, it's something that people can cognitively grasp. It's like, oh, okay. I have this, um, thought pattern and I can do this to work on it. But energy, you can't see it with your eyes. Um, it's not necessarily a concept that I can describe in the same way I can those other things. But I like to give the example of the smartphone, right? So you send a text and you know, if I send you a text right now, you get it right away. We believe that it works, right? We don't question it that's energy, that is a form of energy. So that is the way I describe energy to people. And they're like, Oh, yeah, right, you believe it. So from that, everything around us is also energy, right? Like, the air that I'm breathing is energy. Um, Getting even deeper now, my emotions are energy, my thoughts are energy. Um, You know, if anyone is familiar with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, Um, he actually measures all of this scientifically. So it can be proven, Um, I'm not, I don't have much of a science background, but it it can actually be described if anyone's, um, or explained rather scientifically, if anyone's interested in going down that rabbit hole. But the simplest ways I explain it is with the the smartphone explanation. And Reiki is really just the Japanese translation for spiritual energy. Um, There are many different ways people can study energy. That's just the path that I've chosen. Um, You know, chi and Chinese energy, same thing. So it's just the modality that I studied. Um, And the reason that I was drawn to it was because I had done so many things on the physical plane to heal my physical body and heal my relationship with food and something felt missing. And one day I just heard the word Reiki on a podcast and my ears pricked up and I decided to look into it. So I bought a book and long story short, um, I had a friend who knew a Reiki master and Within the next month, I was studying with her and it all just happened so quickly. And I knew that that was the missing piece. So um, through my studies with her and then eventually later on, I studied with another teacher. What I really learned um, was that these emotions and these thoughts are energy that you can't see and they do affect the physical body. So if I'm having a thought like, you know, that I think a lot of women have, right? Like, oh, I'm fat, I need to go on a diet. That thought is energy and it's affecting your cells and your body responds to that. So I started to work on all those negative thoughts that I had through energy um, and it wasn't even necessarily a conscious, oh, I'm going to work on these things because now I'm doing Reiki. It was just a byproduct um, as I started getting more and more into that world. into so that unseen world, the spiritual energetic world um, that can actually measure, just not seen with the physical eye, I noticed that, oh, wow, I actually am really intuitive and I can feel other people's emotions and I can that you know that's why I feel my emotions so deeply and you know really starting to pay attention to how I feel when I think certain things feel certain things say certain things um, and really being more aware and conscious of those thoughts Um, you know we can't control our thoughts but we can control our reactions to them so, if I'm having a negative thought about my body or something I'm eating, you know, okay, I have the thought, just move on, don't keep feeding it Um, and I think that's a lot of what people what I try to teach with the energy portion of my work. So you know, we'll have the coaching calls where we talk about the physical plain stuff, like the food, but then. You know, through the energy piece, like, okay, you're feeling, you're doing this behavior because you feel this way. What's the physical sensation? So then I kind of am able to tap into the consciousness of where that feeling is in the body. And, you know, it could have so many different roots. You know, I could go on and on explaining all of the different pathways, but emotions do get stored in the body. And through Reiki and energy work, That's what I feel like is unique about my approach because you can do all of the physical things, but if you're not actually releasing those trapped emotions and thoughts that are energy, it's going to continue to negatively affect your body. And that's something that I, I practice what I preach, you know, I still have physical things come up and yes, I address the, the physical aspect, but I'm always like working with with some kind of other Reiki practitioner to like okay what like there must be some kind of emotion attached here and there always is
0: I love it um I have seen these different charts um Dr. Hawkins created like um, a the consciousness chart I, I'm wondering if I can show, I'll show us real quick because it's always a helpful um just pictures um example of a couple of the things that we're chatting on. For fun, because why not? Because we can. Um a little while ago when I started studying. I, I saw a lot of these pictures and I feel like um, they represent a lot of what you're sharing. But of course, I can't find one of the pictures right now that I was looking for. Um, let's see if I can pull one up.
1: Is it like the emotional frequency? It sort of looks like a...
0: Yeah. Like a, like a cone. Is, it's kind of the same thing, I think, here. Yeah. Is they've made it in a cone but this one is more mm-hmm. like the yeah. of, uh, like the density that you feel in the body or the lightness that you feel yeah. like anger fear apathy guilt create such heaviness versus mm-hmm. courage neutrality willingness forgiveness create energy give energy back to the body and the other image i was looking for was like these thermal scans of the body and it's like depression and all where all the your body's like blue and then am you know envy and like the rage and shame you mm-hmm. know you see all the red colors in the body, and I feel like you said with technology we have five g we have wi fi we know invisible things work, <laughs> and um it's what was accepted for thousands of years until we got so, I think, obsessed with seeing it under a microscope. And um, Sterling's brother's partner, she really helped me when I was like, we're going into this world where, you know, my kids want want to have half a computer brain or something. And um, she said, you know, for thousands of years, In South America and other shamanistic cultures, they've been training themselves to be able to read other people's thoughts, see things. And now we're just bringing that 5D consciousness to the 3D for people who don't want to do that training. (laughs) They can, you know, the neural link, they'll easily be able to read someone's thoughts. And so the judgment, you know, is where I always try and release, you know, release the judgment of how people go about evolving everyone has their own right and way to evolve in, in what feels best for them. Um, this has been such a nourishing conversation to have today. Um, so I think I have a couple more questions and one would be, what is something you would recommend when it comes to people who have a fear of, uh, movement and being more active in their life? Like how has movement been medicine for you? because people all have to start somewhere
1: yeah yeah so it really depends um, where someone's starting out I guess like people that I've worked with um, they might have had obsessive tendencies around exercise like I had or they have no idea what to do um, I do have a lot of people come to me and they want to lose weight and you, you said something before about, oh, the goal ends up evolving what they thought that they wanted to begin with. It it changes. So most of the clients I've had, they they come to me with weight loss and wanting, wanting weight loss for themselves. And um, not that that goes away, but they learn a much healthier approach and then they realize, oh, what I really wanted was to love my body what I really wanted was to be able to nourish my body and move my body in a way that felt good and wasn't punishing. So with movement um, or for someone who does not exercise and wants to start or has an interest in that, um, make sure that it's enjoyable, right? This is another diet culture thing of, oh, you have this goal, you need to do this exercise program. No. If you enjoy walking and hiking, and that's what you want to do, that's fine. It doesn't have to, you know, I really, uh, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Because I am getting my personal training certification, I need to have this piece of paper in order to legally advise people about an exercise program. But within the study program, there's so many numbers and metrics and then you got to measure this and you got to do that and I'm just like no I really don't think that I do um maybe there are certain things that people have you know health considerations but all these measurements and tracking your heart and tracking this and tracking that it just drives me crazy and it really triggers that um obsessive tendency in a lot of people so anyway a long way of saying I think I mean, I have a friend who she likes moving her body, but she's like, oh, you know, if it feels like a chore, if it feels like it's not fun, then I'm not going to do it. So I'm like, perfect. Find something that doesn't feel like you're working while you're doing it, whether that's dancing, hiking, maybe people like playing sports. Um, I'm not one of them, but find something that one of my friends says where time doesn't exist. Yeah, um, that's the best. Time doesn't exist. Um, and find that, right? I've had periods where I was really into a certain fitness thing for a while. And then I, I'll have a moment where I'm like, mm, this is boring. I don't like this anymore. It feels like a chore. And then I switch. I've done that so many times. Totally. Um, and that's because I was no longer afraid of that. Oh, if I stop this routine, I'm not going to look like this anymore. So I had to actually force myself to push past that fear. Um, So I think for people afraid of movement, choosing something where time doesn't exist and that just feels really fun and enjoyable and something where they're not focusing on the aesthetics because when your intention, not that an intention of looking good is wrong, but when that is your intention for something that's not going to keep you doing it. So, or it's going to for an unhealthy reason, eventually going into those obsessive tendencies. So I found that focusing more on just the sheer enjoyment of movement or skill-based stuff, like now I really focus more on skills and technique and the aesthetics end up following anyway. So people, you know, if they're really focused on that, it's okay. Just do the thing that feels really fun. And then the aesthetics are going to follow. And then you're not even going to notice, right? It's not always it, it won't have felt like work.
0: Yeah. So I mean when I hear you talk about the personal training certificate, there's so much body dysmorphia, body image issues, eating disorders within the personal, um, the um bodybuilding world you know so the personal training and the gym culture it, it's interesting because it it can create a little bit of hyper um awareness around I say our shape which my shape's always changing every month yeah. different weeks of my cycle water retention you know and so um I love how you pointed to that Well, it's been such an honor to interview you today, and I'm curious if there's anything you'd like to leave us with for people who, you know, I think about me 10 years ago, like on the journey, you know, in the bed, chips, in the dark, feeling so low, scrolling, like kind of self-conscious, uncomfortable about where to turn next and, um, insecure about myself, you know, what you would say to someone who's watching this in the dark, in the bed, you know, eating their stuff and doing their best and and just feeling like all the heaviness, like, where do I even start?
1: Um, let's go back to your theme of connection, right? I would just say it's going to feel like the hardest thing, but talk to somebody whether it's a friend or a parent or a teacher or or whoever just someone that you feel safe with and reach out for help Um, you don't have to share everything that you're going through but you know we have this feeling I think that we're alone when we feel a certain way but it's really the opposite you know when I started Reaching out for help, I found that, wow, I'm one of so many who are going through this. And that's why I'm passionate about helping other people as well. And, you know, also, I think seeing social media, everybody looks happy, but be aware of (laughs) what you're seeing because it's not necessarily authentic. So really taking stock of your surroundings and your environment and how it's affecting you, noticing how you feel when you see something or hear something or talk to somebody, that's energy, the way that you feel. All those things are energy. So just starting to pay attention to the nuances of how you feel and how things affect you. And then just reaching out to somebody because you'd be surprised who can help you
0: I love your big smile I feel a warm heart hug from you and it's true you know I think about sometimes like I am in an interfaith relationship (laughs) I don't even know if that's the word I like to use anymore but all faiths welcomed (laughs) all stories to God welcomed raising my kids and I was doing some writing last night that Um, I often feel like it doesn't matter the person, the culture, where they've come from. I look at and my partner and I've talked about this a lot during the pandemic, the different people and the different opinions they've had when we leave them, how we're feeling heavier or more uplifted. You know, when I'm raising kids to ask them, depending on the people they're speaking to where they're coming from, like, does it leave them uplifted or does it leave them heavy and. And I think that we don't often, because we're in a world that's so much about trying to have that infant childlike attachment to think that we're going to be okay and safe and comfortable, always externally looking for that approval and connection versus internally looking at our needs and connection to self that we don't even know how we're feeling half the time. We don't even know what's really going on. And we think that we don't have the tools or capability to feel everything because when we were little, my body was a little body. It was a lot different to feel at all than now in this body to feel those things. And I think we made agreements with the universe and as well, um, stories that I can't feel all this. It's going to kill me versus the fact that you know, the only constant is change and nothing lasts forever. And remembering to have that adult brain back online. Well, I've so enjoyed this time with you and it's been such an honor to meet with you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Where can
0: people find you? What are you currently offering and, and have going on so that people can ask you questions about it, get involved, work with you?
1: Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes, but it's emmas underscore remedy. I post all sorts of fun content on there. Um, You know, fitness, food stuff, Reiki energy stuff, kind of all all in one. Um, Feel free to shoot me a DM if you have any questions, concerns, just want to chat. If you listen to the episode, let me know. Um, yeah, I just love making authentic connections with people who enjoy hearing my message. Um, and right now I'm accepting one-on-one coaching clients. So we work on that food freedom piece, the nutrition, um, the energy Reiki's included in that. So that's a three month, um, coaching package that I offer people, And then I do virtual Reiki sessions as well. And as I settle in Texas here, I am going to do personal training. In some capacity, I'm sort of um, developing my own style of training that sort of blends um, my weightlifting, calisthenics, and yoga background. And then I also want to do in-person Reiki and then Reiki attunement classes
0: here also go El Paso they're so lucky to have you wow I love that you are going to be in the personal training uh, arena because I I feel like so many people could use you when they're looking for a personal trainer that um, really engages with all components of health Thank you for your time. It's been such an honor to meet with you. You guys find me at Synthesy Wellness and the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcast, Anchor, all the different um, shows. And we'll see you next Friday, 10 a.m., 10.15 (laughs) Pacific Standard Time. It's been such an honor to be on here. Let's see if we have any questions we've gotten lots of likes and hearts <laughs> so feel free to reach out to emma if you have any questions directly i know she'd be happy to answer them and we will see you guys on another episode soon
1: and the real fundamental you you you
0: well if you'd like a place where well, there's never a dull moment choose the right flavor of wellness for you
1: Cindy wellness it hosts the personal local global wellness show